T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We're back with more Inside the Clubhouse on Sports Radio 670 The Score and 670thescore.com. Presented by Bet Rivers Sportsbook. Along with Bruce Levine, I am Mark Grody. This is Inside the Clubhouse. I am filling in for David Haw today. He will return to the Mully Haw Show on Monday and then to Inside the Clubhouse a week from today, a week from right now. Hope you guys are doing great. The White Sox lost to Tampa Bay last night, 6-3. to The Cubs get pummeled by the Cardinals, 14-5, to during the day yesterday. And I always love it when... John Rooney is in town with the Cardinals because he does play-by-play on the radio for St. Louis because I know that Bruce Levine will get him on inside the clubhouse. And usually I get to, to listen to that interview, and today I get to be a part of it, and it is a pleasure to welcome in, indeed, John Rooney, also the former White Sox radio man. He joins us on the Score Hotline, presented by Circa Resort and Casino in Las Vegas, home of the world's largest sports book welcome back to inside the clubhouse john how are you well mark it's great to be with you great to be with bruce and uh, i'm sitting here in the cub radio booth talking things over with mr zarang uh, getting ready for the doubleheader today and uh, looking forward to a nice long day of baseball and that lovely sunday night game of the world tomorrow night <laughs> it certainly helps for to have a chat with Paul Zarang. We all know that he's a very calming oh, yeah. force. You know, it's Mister Zarang uh, to me. That's what he told me. Anyway. <laughs> hey, uh, John, uh, it's always a pleasure to to welcome you on our show and talk some baseball with you. Uh, but looking at the Cardinals, uh, every year uh, I'm always uh, pretty amazed that uh, John Mozalek, who who runs the Cardinals is able to uh, to get a roster together for his manager, and you have a new manager this year in Marmol, uh, who, uh, a roster that can, that is flexible enough and now young enough to go along with those veterans and that you can see this team competing for a championship this year and for the future. Like in today's lineup, you, you look at the established guys, John, like, Goldschmidt and Arenado. Yet you look at uh, Yepes and Donovan and Gorman and and Bar and uh, and you go, wow, uh, they're competing and they're also winning and they're also in player development at the same time. Well, they're big in the player development, Bruce and uh, Randy Flores, who used to pitch for the Cardinals. Uh, he's been drafting wisely. Uh, the minor league staff has been developing very well under Gary LaRock. And Gary's one of the most positive people. Uh, he was an educator way back in the day before he got into baseball. And really has a way about him of preparing players and, and getting the word across to his coaches and his staff up and down the minor leagues to uh, get these guys ready to come up here. And, and not too many of them are overwhelmed by the moment. Uh, the other night, Matthew Libertor uh, may have been caught up by pitching in Wrigley Field for the first time, and he couldn't keep the ball in the ballpark. But it didn't seem to affect Zach Thompson, who – Came in with a good-sized lead. That helped a whole lot, too, making his major league debut. Former Kentucky Wildcat pitcher that was drafted and developed by the Cardinals. But they've done a really good job of developing and then mixing in and uh, and going to get people like Paul Goldschmidt and like Nolan Arnato. But, Bruce, I was told by some Arizona people a few years ago, I think a couple of years before Goldschmidt came to the Cardinals, that he's losing bat speed. He may be headed toward the downside of his career. And I certainly haven't seen any of that since he came to St. Louis. In fact, I think he's hitting the ball as well right now and playing the game as well right now as he did when he was on the rise and becoming a star with Arizona. So 
uh, that's pretty good leadership right there to go along with those young kids. Yeah, man. I mean, Goldschmidt yesterday, John, a two-out, three-run blast in the, the third inning. Another one of those guys that we mentioned, Nolan Gorman, hit one out with two men on as well. But Goldschmidt now also... You know, it's getting it's getting kind of serious. Twenty five game hitting streak for Paul Goldschmidt at this point. Has he talked about any of that? What what you were just mentioning about the because I heard the same stuff. Like, is Goldie starting to lose it? Are, are the Cardinals not getting their money's worth out of this guy? Has he talked about any of that? Is there anything new that he is doing this year in terms of his approach, or has it always just been the same? As always with Paul Goldschmidt, he doesn't talk about himself. He doesn't like to be in the spotlight like that. He likes to play. He just likes to go out there and perform. And when the team wins, he loves to talk about that. Hmm. And being a part uh, of a, a game like yesterday, he had a lot of fun with that. But when it comes to zeroing in on him and winning the player for the month of May in the National League, as Judge won the player for the American League for the month of May, uh, that's pretty good company right there. But, no, that's not of any interest to him. Uh, he's one of those guys that – He's a big, imposing player. When he comes in the room, you feel his presence, uh, much like we did with uh, Carlton Fisk and, and uh, uh, Frank Thomas and people like that. When they were in the room, you knew they were there, in the same way with Goldschmidt, but he's so unassuming that uh, you want to talk uh, hunting and fishing or golf, uh, mm. want to talk about something like that, uh, he'll, he'll sit there and talk with you all day. But you start zeroing in on his accomplishments, he's not interested. The great John Rooney, our guest on Inside the Clubhouse. He's Mark Grody and Bruce Levine. We're here with you for bonus baseball talk today up until Zach Zaidman's pregame show at 1145. John, Tommy Edmond, one of my favorite players in the game and one that's not the sexiest name in the world, but he seems to be able to do anything that the Cardinals ask him to do and do it pretty well. You know, that had to be a pretty good Stanford team with Horner and Tommy Edmund uh, handling things on the infield as uh, they were coming up and ready to turn pro. And Tommy's a baseball player, and it looks to me like what I've seen of Horner. He's the same way. They're pretty smart, mm-hmm. and they know what they should be doing uh, wherever they are playing. And Horner's had to play other positions. Uh, he's played in the middle infield, and looks to me like he does a terrific job. And, and uh, hats off to that Stanford program for getting guys ready to go once they turn pro. And then for the development people uh, along the way, helping those guys to the major leagues. But uh, I, I took a liking to Tommy Edmond in spring training uh, the year before. He got a really good look in spring training. And once he came up, uh, he just started playing at uh, shortstop, second base, third base, play some in the outfield, come in late as a pinch hitter or pinch runner, whatever they wanted him to do, much like Brendan Donovan is doing right now. But the bonus for Tommy Edmond, he's a switch batter. So. That makes a big difference in his game, and he's hit very well from both sides of the plate. A little bit better right-handed, but we see a lot more right-handed pitching than we do the lefties. But he is fun to watch, and uh, he's a great guy to be around. He has so much fun playing the game. And and I think those guys who can shed the pressure of this game, this game is so humbling, but if they can shed that pressure for two or three hours and go out there and enjoy what they do, then they can handle the downs that come along with this game that will humble a player so much and uh, and then succeed. So guys like Tommy Edmund have been able to do that. It's Cardinals play-by-play man uh, John Rooney with us here on the score and inside the clubhouse, along with Bruce Levine. I'm Mark Grody. And it, it was very dramatic what happened with the Cubs last year in Chicago, obviously, John, with the, the trading of the big three with with Rizzo and Baez and Bryant going and the Cubs in obviously a completely different direction this season. What has that been like for you to watch what the Cubs are doing? Are you surprised that they they broke up that core as soon as they did? No, and it's the economics of the game and uh, and trying to bring other young players along and and to try to keep that stable of players together uh, just add up the payroll. And so I'm not surprised by it, but, man, it's a different look. Mm-hmm. As last year, the Cardinals won 10 out of 19 against the Cubs, but the Cubs did most of their winning before those guys were gone, and they were quite competitive. But I, I do admire what David Ross is doing. He's, he's trying to uh, take his players, establish a little more of a running game, put some pressure on the opponents, and, and he knows a little bit about that, trying to stop a running game all those years. As He did a great job behind the plate wherever he played. 
And uh, I see what he's trying to, to do here. And Morrell is an interesting player. He's caught our eyes. That he uh, is exciting. Uh, he looks like he has a lot of fun playing the game and has been able to get on base each game he has played, uh, get on safely and make an impact for the Cubs. And I think he's helped make them a little bit better. But it is a different look. There's no question. And, uh, yeah, we do need the press guide to acquaint ourselves with some of the guys. But uh, Schwindel's a good line drive hitter. Uh, we know Patrick Wisdom because of his days with the Cardinals. He's going to strike out a lot, but he's going to hit a lot of home runs, too, if he stays healthy and can stay in the lineup and drive in runs. So uh, the Cubs, uh, they're not a, a pushover by any means whatsoever, and they're going to go out and compete, especially at home. And these first two games have just been typical Cubs-Cardinals games uh, that have been competitive and so much fun to watch and follow. Those are the great tones of our good friend John Rooney on Inside the Clubhouse. And, John, uh, looking at baseball right now um, and the way that pitching has evolved, I remember having conversations with you way back uh, when we did our baseball show uh, on uh, another station for five years every uh, Saturday morning. And, uh, and we talked about that that time that, uh, hey, six innings is uh, – is really not asking a lot for from pitcher. Now we're talking about four, maybe five. Uh, how do you? Th- how far do you think this thing can evolve before minor league teams and uh, and systems have to look at the game and say, hey, we're we're just running out of pitchers. There, there's just is not the inventory for a manager to be able to actually handle a game because we need four or five pitchers every day. Well, it seems like, Bruce, every year we need more and more pitchers to get through a Major League Baseball season, uh, maybe 700 or more. Uh, it is a, a matter of, of using the pitching staff, taking advantage of the options. Now with a 15-day injured list for the pitchers, teams can't uh, have the shuttle as much as they did with the uh, the 10-day injured list before. But uh, you're seeing guys who have uh, pitched a few times in a week, and if they have options, they may go down to bring up uh, some fresh arms and in a couple of weeks, you may see the other pitchers coming back. But right now, pitching is on a carousel, and around and around we go. And we're seeing so many different names. Uh, Johan Oviedo, who's still looking for his first major league win, is going to pitch against the Cubs today. And he's faced the Cubs more than anybody else he's pitched against uh, in the majors. And Swarmer is going to pitch for the Cubs. The Cardinals haven't seen him at the major league level. And uh, then we're, we're going to have uh, Palante. Andre Palante is going to start the second game, but he won't uh, go all that deep because I, I think he can give him maybe three, four if he keeps the pitch count down. And we'll see how he reacts to pitching here at Wrigley Field in Chicago for the first time. Uh, it's it's a lot of uh, pitchers trying to get settled at the big league level and then be effective and throw strikes and uh, and stay here and help their teams. But uh, with the analytics coming in, guys. Uh, we see going through a lineup uh, once, twice, but getting to that third time through the lineup, it may not be as productive, and that's, I think, why we're seeing shorter outings, and uh, we'll probably continue to see that. Ah, the deadly third time through the lineup. Yep, that's that's become a, a huge thing in, I'd say, the last three years or so where they're really paying attention to it and making it very public as well. John, I have to ask you, the Cardinals right now, 30-22, and 22, two games back of the division. Is that about right? Is that where they, the Cardinals expected to be at this point? No, I think they expected to, to be in first place. Uh, they, they expected that when they left spring training, but uh, they're like so many other teams. They've had to uh, do some sidesteps and adjust with their pitching, with injuries, and also with the injuries to the lineup where we don't have a Tyler O'Neill and we don't have uh, Dylan Carlson. They're going out on rehab assignments, I think, in the coming week, and Hopefully they'll be back soon. And sure, the Cubs are missing some big names and some big players as well. Uh, and the Milwaukee Brewers have had to battle some injuries as they've had uh, a key outfielder out. Uh, Adamas uh, has been out. Uh, I think he's back now or, or close to back, uh, being back. But he wasn't in the series they played in St. Louis. And uh, he's, he's an impact-type player. So uh, everybody has to deal with that. There's a long, long way to go. And right now, if teams can kind of hold their own and keep their heads above water, then they can make adjustments and moves. And with the trading deadline coming up in early August, uh, make the moves they feel like they need to not only get in contention for the division or for a wild card, whatever may happen to be in reach. And 
And I think we're going to see some pretty good movement before the trade deadline. John, uh, first of all, greetings from our director of programming, uh, Mitch Rosen, a good friend of both yours and mine. So he wanted to make sure that uh, he got that to you. And uh, the second part of uh, this question to you is uh, Adam Wainwright, Molina, and, of course, Albert Pujols back. Uh, you talk about winning players, and you have the combination of those guys. It's pretty amazing. But the, I imagine they don't want to talk too much about the swan song, uh, of that this, it's going to probably be the last year for all three. They, they seem to be immersed in being the pros that they've been for these long careers. Give us a little insight as to how they handle themselves on a daily basis. And when they go from town to town, not getting distracted about this being the goodbye year for all three. Well, they've had some nice tributes, uh, like in New York, where we were there for the one and only visit at City Field, and and they paid tribute to uh, Albert and to Yadier, and Wainwright, I think, was pitching that day. I'm not convinced this is Wainwright's last year. Uh, he looks good. He, he is able to improvise out there. He can come up with something to get deep in a ball game and keep his team in the game most times. Uh, I'm not convinced this is it for Adam, but I think for Albert and Yachty, it will be the last year. You're looking at uh, Hall of Fame careers, and, and what we saw from Albert Pujols the first 11 years with the Cardinals, I'm not sure those numbers will ever be duplicated, but he has come in and he's helped this team uh, in many, many ways. And what Dave Roberts said out in Los Angeles last year, said when he came over from the Angels, he was a big help for the players, especially the young guys, but he was an even bigger help to the coaching staff in what he brought as a wealth of knowledge and information. And he's one of those guys who knows what everyone on the field should be doing, where they should be, has taken so many chances. And he uh, he had a caught stealing early when he thought he had a tell on Brandon Woodruff, and Woodruff didn't do what he had been doing that particular time, stepped off and got Albert at third. But then Albert, a few weeks later, stole a base. And uh, he picked his spot there. And the guy is a legitimate big league bat. Yadier can still throw uh, a very, very well behind uh, any pitcher he's working with and uh, try to control the running game. So Yadi has been effective there, too. Um, they've just been two guys that have been a lot of fun to be around and cover. But uh, they're more interested in what happens in these two games today than they are in what they'll be doing when the season ends, hopefully sometime in late October. I can't imagine that Yadier Molina won't be a big league manager somewhere. And it, it feels like he's kind of been a, a co-manager with many regimes through the years there in the first place. Do people talk about that? Do people talk you know, like fans and sports talk radio about, hey, what about Yadier Molina taking over as the Cardinals manager someday or soon if the Cardinals continue to underperform and all that kind of stuff? No, no, we don't hear any talk about that, but I wouldn't be surprised that Yadier, uh, if he became a manager, uh, no big upset there. Uh, if you saw the World Baseball Classic, the last one, Yadi was basically directing everything going on the field for that Puerto Rican team, uh, whether it was from behind the plate or from the dugout when he wasn't hitting. And uh, he just has such a great head for the game, a feel for the game, a feel for pitching. And Albert Pujols, I think, would make an unbelievable manager as well just because of his knowledge in the game and the way he relates so well with young players. Uh, Juan Yepes attached himself to Albert Pujols the moment he saw Albert in spring training. And uh, he, he just uh, won't let Albert go. Uh, we might need a tire jack to keep Albert's ear up with uh, Yepes asking so many questions. But uh, Albert welcomes that. And I could see both of them managing at some point, but I don't hear fans talking about that right now. They want to enjoy them when they come to the plate or they're out in the field. John, in closing with you, I know you had the uh, privilege of working with Tony La Russa for a long time when you went to St. Louis. And uh, are you uh, at all surprised by the energy and the uh, continuity of uh, thought process that Tony is able to uh, take uh, to the ballpark every day, 77 going on 78? That's Tony La Russa, and he's been doing that ever since he quit playing and prepared himself to manage the White Sox and Roland Heeman. Brought him uh, to Chicago back in the 80s. He's no different now than he was then in terms of his enthusiasm. Uh, he has a, a lot more experience, and he's uh, gone through so many seasons and uh, picked up so much knowledge. And, and he likes to learn something new all the time. And it could come from anyone in business or 
in the military or any different direction in sports uh, to try to enhance what he's doing and and to relate to his players and i'm i'm not surprised at all he's managing it and uh if he can get some people healthy and a little continuity with their lineup they're going to make a run and they're going to try to be in it uh that's just the way tony will have it john uh, the ballpark's always more fun when you're in it and when you're broadcasting so thanks so much for me and mark and i look forward to seeing you at the ballpark and and tomorrow morning as well, Johnny. I really enjoyed it. Uh, now I have to uh, see if I can get permission from Mr. Zarang to go back to work next door. <laughs> oh, thank you, Mr. Tells Zarang uh, can give you some care, notes guys. on the he can give you some notes on the Cubs too that Paul Zarang can. Yes, he can. Oh, I know it. He's a wealth of knowledge, a, re- a real encyclopedia <laughs> here in the booth, and I, I see you. Thanks. Him a lot. Thanks, <laughs> John. Enjoyed it. Oh, yeah. Okay. Any Zerang is a good Zerang. That's what I always say, Bruce. You know those Zerangs, don't you? Yeah. They're, they're, they're good they're people. Wonderful, they're wonderful, wonderful. They're, they're special people from another planet that have uh-huh. come here to bless us with their love. And, the planet uh, Zerang. That does sound like a planet, doesn't it? The planet Zerang? I, I, they're they're the most, some of the most beautiful people I've ever <laughs> met in my life. <laughs> yes, they are. All right. Coming up. On Inside the Clubhouse, and we do thank John Rooney for being on. He's always a great guest on this show, Inside the Clubhouse, because I always seem to catch him when he's on the show. Coming up next, your calls, 312-644-6767, and at 10.30, I cannot wait to talk to the one and only Hawk Harrelson, the former White Sox broadcaster, going to join us on Inside the Clubhouse on Chicago Sports Radio 670, The Score. We're back with more Inside the Clubhouse on Sports Radio 670 The Score and 670thescore.com. Presented by Bet Rivers Sportsbook. Expected to talk to Hawk Harrelson, the former White Sox announcer, here in just a little bit on Inside the Clubhouse, along with Bruce Levine. I'm Mark Grody filling in for David Hall, who will return. We love your interaction on the show as always. 312-644-6767 is the, the phone number. And it's a big day out at Wrigley Field today for the Cubs. And they will play a doubleheader, Bruce. They will have Matt Swarmer going in the 12-20 game. And then in the 6-15 game, there will be a lot of interest, I think, at the ballpark and on the radio right here on the score for the debut of Caleb Killian of the 206 ERA. He stands 6'4", tall, skinny kid, uh, but he has been terrific this year for Iowa. He was part of the Chris Bryant deal. What else can you tell us about Caleb Killian and what we should expect out of the youngster today, Bruce? Uh, four, a variety of four really good pitches, a really good four-seam fastball, a nice changeup he's been working on, and a curve and a slider. Uh, we'll mix in the cutter as well. So this guy has a complete arsenal. Came from the San Francisco Giants last July in the trade for Chris Bryant. Uh, you know, people kind of winced and said, you know, what what are we getting here for Chris Bryant? Well, what you're getting is a possibility of a starter who might be in the rotation for the Chicago Cubs for many years to come with any good health involved. He is uh, that that good. They've kind of slow-rolled him, Mark, from spring training on because he pitched in the fall league, and he went through until uh, mid-November pitching a, a six-inning perfect game uh, before uh, that season ended in the championship game. So a very good-looking young uh, pitcher for the Cubs. Sure. That is Bruce Levine. I'm Mark Grody. This is Inside the Clubhouse, and we are excited now to have the one and only, the great Hawk Harrelson on the show, former White Sox broadcaster, now enjoying the retirement lifestyle, and he joins us on the Score Hotline, presented by Circa Resort and Casino in Las Vegas, home of the world's largest sports book. What's going on, Hawk? How are you? Hello, Bruce. Hello, Mark. How you guys doing? We are doing very well, man. We're always doing well when we're talking about baseball. 
and uh, the the White Sox with another game this afternoon against the Tampa Bay Rays after losing to the Rays last night, six to three. And Hawk, I know you're paying attention to the White Sox this year, and they are in a a playoff potential championship window. With that said, what have just been your thoughts about this this season and the the twenty three and twenty seven start to this White Sox year? Well, you can't win a lot of games in the major league level unless you got your players in uniform and hell we don't even have a lot of our best players in uniform i mean i've never seen last year it happened too but we recovered i remember the first few weeks last year we lost our whole outfield <laughs> and this year we're losing them. i've never seen a team drop like flies like this i mean it's just a it's a different culture today uh, bruce you and i have talked about it it's become yeah. an agent game. It really has. Uh, the agents control a lot. Uh, a lot of things that are happening today in the game of baseball and in sports altogether because of the fact that if I were an agent, I'd be doing the same damn thing. They're trying to extend, especially the pitchers, they're trying to extend the shelf life. And if they go out there and they throw 70 or 80 pitches, uh, uh, they'll call them after the game or the next morning, say, how you feel? Well, I'm a little louchy. Well, go on the 10-day deal. <laughs> go on the 10-day deal list. And we're, we're hearing that more and more, and it's becoming uh, part of the culture of the game. I don't understand it because of the fact that um, in my era, guys wanted to play every day, you know. Uh, and they played hurt, and they pitched hurt. I remember Frank Larry, who was a great, Tiger pitcher, who they called him the Yankee Killer, he told me the last 40 starts he had in the big leagues that every time he threw a pitch, his shoulder killed him. And I was uh, texting with uh, Bird Blylevin not too long ago, and he's had a shoulder replacement for all the innings pitched that he did. But he was one of the all-time greats. You know, he's a Hall of Famer. So it's it's just a different culture, and that's that's one of the beauties of the game because it keeps changing and. And, and people say, well, Hawk, you were in the game all the parts of eight decades. And, and uh, you're an expert on the game. And I said, wait just a minute. I said, I'm not an expert. I said, there's no experts in this game. There's just some people who've been around longer, maybe seen a few things that uh, a lot of guys haven't seen. But as far as knowing the game, that's the beauty of it. It changes all the time. It's the only game we know, you know, that's not played against the clock. And when you're on offense, the other team controls the ball. The great Hawk Harrelson, our guest on Inside the Clubhouse. He's Mark Grody and Bruce Levine. We talk baseball every Saturday here. David Hawk, my usual co-host, taking some very needed and important time off. And, and Hawk, uh, when, when you look at the White Sox and, and you look at the offense, uh, you, you identified the factor that, you know, they're missing Eloy, they're missing Anderson. You know, the a couple of the guys haven't really hit yet. Uh, Brayu's starting to warm up a little bit. Grandal, Mancato was hurt. So from all of that, uh, is there one guy, and, and, you know, obviously most people point to Anderson as you can't lose him for an extended period of time. But is he, in your mind, the juice of this lineup? Is he the... Uh, is he the connection to the electricity for Chicago Cubs, Chicago White Sox offense? Is, is he is he the guy that has to be in there every day? Yes. And he wants to be in there every day. <laughs> Excuse me. He, uh, he, I said it after the first two years he was with us. Uh, Abreu is the leader of the ball club in the clubhouse, and Tim Anderson is the leader of the club on the field. He is, uh, he's something to, he's something. He's, he's what you call uh, a Derek Jeter type player. And, uh, I'm not going to, I'm not going to say he's going to play as long as Jeter did. Jeter was uh, one of the all time greats, but, and, and Tim Anderson's got a chance to be one of the all time greats too, if he can stay healthy. But he's the kind of guy that if, if he goes down like he did with that going, you know, it's legitimate. A lot of these guys, uh, they got sore legs. They got this, you know. Uh, they don't. They can't play. They're going to sit out a few days. Uh, they might 
bump into a wall or something, and all of a sudden they're going to go on the, on the uh, DL. And uh, personally, I, I, I just can't stand it. I really can't. And I, I don't know how Tony stands it either. That's the voice of Hawk Harrelson here on The Score and inside the clubhouse along with Bruce Levine. I'm Mark Grody. And, Hawk, I got to tell you, recently I got to be a part of an interview on our afternoon show, the Parkinson Spiegel Show, with old Joe West, one of, one of your favorites, a guy that you've talked about on the air many a time, the good and the bad. But Joe West was on with us, and he, just had, he was just glowing about Hawk Harrelson. What can you say? about Joe West? Well, he set the record for most games umpired, so that'll say, that'll say volumes right there. Unless you're a great umpire, you don't stick around that long. And Joe and I, you know, we had our differences, and then we were doing a game down in Texas, and Stoney says, uh, hey, this is West's first game back. And I said, first game back? I said, where the hell is he been? He said he had throat cancer. So, boy, as soon as the game was over, I didn't even take the elevator down. I just ran down the stairs, went to the umpire's room, knocked on the door, and somebody came, and one of the umpires came. I forget who it was. And I said, where's Joe West? And he was shocked to see me anyway. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I said, where's Joe? He said, he's back in the shower. So I went back in the shower, and Joe was there soaping up his face and everything. And I said, Joe. He looked at me. He said, Hawk, what are you doing here? I said, look, I don't mind arguing with you. I don't mind fighting you. But I can't have you getting sick on me. <laughs> and he started laughing. And ever since then, we have been, I'm telling you, really good buddies. We, we text each other all the time. And when an umpire blows a, a call, in my opinion, uh, I'll text him. And he'll text me back. And he'll say, no, the umpire was right. Or, or, or no, you're right. He, he, blew, he missed that one. But he was one of the all-time greats, and if I had to have one umpire, umpire uh, one game for my family's life, it would be Joe West. Wow. Wow, Hawk, that's a, that is something. Hawk, uh, uh, I, was shocked, I, was, I was shocked this uh, spring of talking to Tony LaRussa with a couple other reporters, and your name came up, and uh, we were talking about changes and how they have to be made, and... Tony related to us, he said, you know, you know, Hawk, you've always said the biggest mistake you made was, was firing Tony LaRussa. And he said, to be honest with you, um, uh, it was the right thing to do at that time for the right team at the right time. Uh, I, I agree with what he did. And for many years, you've told me that there's things between you and Tony about everything that'll never come out and will never be talked about uh, as long as, as you're around. But when he told me that he thought this was the right thing to do and the right move for you and the White Sox at that time, I was literally shocked. I, I wonder what your reaction is to that. Well, I've known Tony since 1962. <laughs> when they, he joined us in Banff in New York, uh, he was a young kid, 17, 18 years old. Uh, he was a good fielder. He couldn't hit a lick. But we all had respect for him because he had a certain aura and a demeanor about him that you knew that he was probably going to get to the big leagues, which he did. And you probably thought that he would be a manager someday, which he has. And uh, he's a guy that uh, there's only one man who's won more games as a manager uh, than he has. And, of course, you know, uh, that record will never be broken. But the thing is, is that Tony, uh, yeah, there are things that go on in a clubhouse uh, between Tony and I that went on in the clubhouse. They'll never come out of my mouth and never come out of Tony's mouth. And that's the way it should be because uh, uh, I respect the hell out of him as a manager. And I didn't fire him, as you recall. I said at the press conference, I didn't fire him because he was a bad manager. He just didn't – a manager to me, and you heard me say this many times, Bruce, I don't judge a manager by wins and losses. I judge a manager by how hard the players play for him. And uh, Tony has always been a manager that they played their ass off for him uh, each and every day. 
And when they popped it up in the infield, they busted their behind down the line. And when they hit a gut, a hard one hopper back to the pitcher, they busted their behind down the line. And uh, but a manager, I, I judge a manager by that criteria. And then also a manager, you know, he can only play with what the general manager gives him. Right. And you know, you're looking at uh, you're looking at Joe Girardi, who was a hell of a manager, and he just got fired by Philadelphia, and uh, he just didn't have any pitching. And once mm-hmm. he had, went down with injuries or you know on the DL. So it's a different game today. It's a different culture today. And as I said, it's become an agent's game. They have a huge control. And in my opinion, you know, the most powerful man in baseball today is Scott Boris. He, with his stable last year of players, his combined salary was a billion two hundred million. It's a lot of money. It's more than I carry well, around, Hawk. When you I'll control tell you. that kind of players, those kind of players, you got a lot of power, and that's what Boris has. There's no doubt. There's no doubt that he is powerful and he uses his voice a lot more. It seems like every single year. But Hawk, it sounds like to me, would it be fair to say that you believe the Sox, once they get healthy, they still can take off because there's a feeling of doom all of a sudden with the White Sox now that they're six games out. Well, it's this. Well, Minnesota's for real. There's no question. We knew that coming into the season. You know, when they when they picked up a couple of players in the all season, I mean, they I, a good friend of mine who's a writer in uh, St. Paul, past uh, Charlie Walters, he called me and asked me what I thought about their acquisitions, and I said, well, they just put their they just let their fans know they're in this thing to win, and and they're for real. Now, if if Tim Anderson, according if he can come back, we're still in it. If he can't, then we're not going to be in it. That's fair. That's fair. Hawk, in closing with you, my friend, um, I've never asked you this uh, question. I I think I know the answer. It might have been a partner of yours, but who is your favorite baseball broadcaster of all time? Because Mark and I are going to do a segment on that a little later in the show. My all-time favorite baseball broadcaster, best I ever heard, was Don Drysdale. I knew it. I knew it. Don Drysdale yeah. was the greatest. You know, Vince Scully was great. Uh, uh, they had, uh, you know, some really great announcers. But the best, most comprehensive announcer I ever heard uh, was Drysdale. And it's just, it's just a shame that, you know, he's in the, the Hall of Fame as a player, but it's just a shame to me that he's not in the Hall of Fame as an announcer because of the fact that, that uh, he's the best I ever heard. Uh, Ben's right there. Uh, the guy in Detroit was right there. I used to listen to him all the time. Yeah, and there are some great announcers out there. You know, Tom Hamilton of Cleveland. He's one of the most exciting announcers in all the sports. And, and Eric Nadell down in Texas. And uh, on and on. There are just a lot of great announcers out there. But also, in my opinion, there are some that I don't even like to listen to. Oh, we're not going to ask you to name them unless you want to. <laughs> yeah, yeah the, the floor is open. Bruce, you can ask me almost anything. You know that, buddy. <laughs> Bruce, you're one of my dear friends and one of the best sports reporters that we have had. We've had some good ones in Chicago, and we've had some bad ones. And we still got a couple of bad ones. But guys like Jay Mariotti, you know, get his ass out of here, which they did. And you know, everybody's happy about that. Hawk, uh, uh, you, you are a one of a kind, one of the best people, one of the greatest broadcasters of all time. So <laughs> Mark and I appreciate you coming on the show. You still got it, my friend. So whenever you want to come back, uh, you know, let's uh, let's knock on a few doors because uh, it's still there, my friend. No, I'm sitting here watching tennis now. I've become a big tennis fan. I never realized, I never watched it, but I never realized what a great sport that is. Those guys won more in one set than we used to run in two weeks. <laughs> that's, that's a fact. I Hawk, love thanks it. You so call me anytime. You know that. You're the best, Hawk. Thanks a lot. Appreciate it. Right, Let me tell you about guys. Bjorn Borg. Yeah. <laughs> that's the best, man. Hawk is absolutely the best, Bruce.
Yeah, and uh, if we would have gone a little while longer, he probably would have given us a list of uh, four or five individuals other than Jay Mariotti that, <laughs> uh, that he wanted out of here. But, In the meantime, let me uh, tell you about John McEnroe. Let me tell you. But let me tell you about this guy. This guy's a lefty. He is good, uh, Bruce. We, uh, he is. The, he's the best man. We he played the hits for us. He gave us everything we needed. That is Hawk Harrell's been a great guest day so far today. Clint Frazier was on at nine thirty. We had John Rooney, the great Cardinals announcer, at ten o'clock, and just wrapped up with the former White Sox uh, play-by-play man, a classic Hawk Harrelson. And start to think about that too. Yeah, Bruce and I are curious as to who your favorite baseball announcer of all time is, whether it is in Chicago or nationally. Maybe you're a transplant. You listen to somebody else growing up, and it could be an analyst as well. It could be local, national. Definitely want to know who those guys are. 312-644-6767. Bruce and I will talk a little bit about what is on tap for the Cubs and White Sox today and continue to review losses for the teams yesterday as well. And certainly we want to interact with you. Three one two six forty four sixty seven sixty seven we've got lines open for you right now on inside the clubhouse on chicago sports radio 670 the score we're back with more inside the clubhouse on sports radio 670 the score and 670 the com. presented by bet rivers sportsbook bonus time on inside the clubhouse bruce levine and i We'll be with you until uh, a little bit after 11.30 today because the Cubs play a doubleheader with the pregame starting at 11.45 for Cubs-Cardinals after the Cards took game one 14-5 yesterday. So we've got more time to take your calls on either the Cubs or the White Sox. Sox also lost to Tampa Bay 6-3 to last night and play the Rays today with Dylan Cease playing there, or at least hopefully playing the part of the stopper and that the White Sox stop not scoring runs when they have opportunities like a couple of times yesterday. So, And I see a couple people wanting to jump in to talk about the White Sox, and we will get to you momentarily at 3 one 2 644-6767. And we also want to ask you who your favorite baseball announcer of all time is, whether it is Cub Sox or another city's broadcaster or a national broadcaster. We are interested in hearing from you because we want to hear why, too, at 312-644-6767. Bruce, you got a favorite that you would reveal? Well, you know what? I, I think we're we're right in the golden era right now of broadcasters in Chicago. I, I really do, and it's going to sound like a lame uh, situation from me, but I, I just I just love the the baseball and and uh, baseball TV and radio games that we're getting from both sides of town right now. I, I just think that there's tremendous high energy. There's tremendous metrics involved as well uh, on the TV. Uh, broadcast for both teams the radio broadcasts you know I, I think they're they're just uh, like you, you you turn on the radio and you feel it's uh, a part of your spring and summer that you hear those great voices you you know you certainly hear Pat and Ron and Zach doing cub games you know on uh, the radio with uh, the White Sox you know you certainly hear Len and you hear uh, DJ uh, do those games? I, I mean, uh, to me, this is this is terrific because the demand for broadcasts now are so much more than they used to be because the statistical part of the game has to be a part of it. You have to be on top of that. You have to be on top of all the movements that are made on a daily basis to keep up with all the the the, the players. You, you imagine, you know, the rosters, you know that. Pat and Ron and Zach had to keep up with last year when the, the Cubs set an all-time record for the amount of players that were brought up or, or, or went through uh, uh, on the roster last year for uh, the history of the Cubs. So all of those things tell me that, that we're getting the very best that there is right now. I mean, I imagine there's some favorites along the way, Mark, that you've had historically. You know, obviously, you know, you love the Harry Carries and the Jack Brickhouses, you know, of the past. Uh, my my favorite team, maybe of all time, broadcast wise, was was Harry and Pearsall when they were going at their best uh, back in the day. I mean, you just never knew what they were going to say on a daily basis. It was just that fantastic every day. And 
and they went after everybody, including each other. A hundred percent. And I, I unfortunately missed that year. I could probably go back. I, I mean, I've heard some tape, but I'll, I'll take I'll take Harry and Stone if you want to go with the classics. I'm a huge Hawk fan. Uh, even though I wasn't a White Sox fan growing up, I was, always thought he was different and outside of the box. And he's Hawk. He's just Hawk doing doing baseball. And then a guy that we had on today, too. John Rooney's great, man. I mean, he's one of the, the wow. goats of this industry in terms of, like, play-by-play and voice. And people remember him doing the White Sox all those years and, you know, calling a, calling a World Series in so 2005. Th- th- there's, there's three guys that should be in the Broadcasting Hall of Fame, the wing of, uh, of Cooperstown, that are doing games right now. Certainly Pat Hughes. Certainly um, John, John Rooney and certainly Steve Stone. Those three guys right now should be in the Baseball Hall of Fame as far Amen. as broadcasters go. And uh, I, there's no doubt about it. Yeah, we live in Chicago. We were lucky to hear all these guys. But when you talk about calling games, uh, these guys are experts. No, uh, a lot of people may, may have been as good as an analyst as Steve Stone and now in his 40th year. Uh, but nobody's ever been better than Steve Stone in analyzing baseball and giving you a first look at what may happen before it does. Nobody's ever had the percentages that Steve Stone has had during his career of uh, probably hitting 400 as a broadcaster in predicting what's going to happen next. And as a texter says, nobody explains the inner workings of the game like Steve Stone. Let's get to some of these phone calls. I see you guys lining up, and we will start with Rich on the south side. Hi, Rich. You're on the score. Hi, it's uh, Rich and Old Town. Mark, how are you? What's up, Rich? How you doing, buddy? Yeah, no, I, you know, it's interesting. Your guest, your guest today, Bruce, Bruce and, and you did a great job. At, your guests are great, and it kind of triggered – Believe it or not, why I wanted to call in, because I had a couple of questions. But the first thing I was going to tell you, and then I'll move on to the question, was uh, you, you need to tell Morell that you're a Hall of Famer if you want to hug. <laughs> <laughs> i got to use every well, status I possibly have. Yeah, I mean, come on. you got to play the card you dealt, right? All right. So, uh, All right. All right. So I'm trying to help you out. Anyway. Thank you. Uh, and this question is kind of directed more at, at Bruce. When you have Harrelson on, the question I would have for him, and this is why I listened to his, his responses very carefully, one of the questions I would have of him, and I, he kind of commented on it, but I would ask him if you were the general manager today, would you fire Larusa today, given their underperformance? When he talks about it, he judges them by, you know, energy, effort, and smarts, playing smart baseball, not the record. I think that would be a good question since it was him that did fire Larusa and said it had nothing to do with the record, and then the other thing kind of leads into the same the same comment with Rooney, who I think is great. He is really good, but when he said, and this really kind of irritated me, he said Tony is the same guy. I quote, I wrote it down. He's the same guy today that he was in the '80s. That's the problem. Mm-hmm. I don't want him I... to be the same guy. The game has changed. I think you know you got to bring some energy. And you got to bring smart baseball. So anyway, I'll, I'll give it back to uh, to you two guys. But I think Harrelson, if you got him off off the radio, would tell you he'd do it over again today. Yeah. Well, look, um, I'm not saying that Tony is not vulnerable. Like every manager, when a team doesn't play well, you must you must come under scrutiny when the team doesn't play well. Because if the mark if the if the function isn't that the players are playing on all cylinders, uh, you can't fire them. The only thing you can do to motivate them is to make a move in the manager or the coaching. Now, it doesn't have to be the manager. It can be a hitting coach or a pitching coach. But mm-hmm. that's, those are usually knee-jerk reactions that, to me, are, are insufficient. In my, in my opinion, Tony won in the 80s. He won in the 90s. He won in the 2000s. He won in the 2010s. Okay, his last year in baseball, 2011, before he took the Dodger job of the White Sox job, he won the World Series in 2011. Okay, so 
this is a guy that pays attention to metrics. He pays attention to uh, what the general manager and the and the president of the team and the owners say. Uh, if if you want to say it's his fault that they're underachieving right now, go right ahead. Uh, I'm I'm not going to argue with you because you have a right to your opinion. In my opinion, it's a bunch of offensive players that aren't getting the job done. Okay, it's as simple as that. You can't average 3.6 runs per game uh, in Major League Baseball right now and expect to win every night because your pitching staff is pushed to the limit of trying to hold the other team to three runs or less every night in order to give you a chance to win. That's just a fact. That's what we're looking at right now. Yeah, last night, another, like the most frustrating sequence for the White Sox was in the seventh inning. It's 4-2 Tampa Bay, and they have two on with less than two outs, and ultimately the Sox didn't score. Andrew Vaughn with a strikeout. And then the next half inning in the Rays portion of the seventh, they score two to make it 6-2 to against Matt Foster, and then the White Sox go and leave the bases loaded in the ninth inning. So it was like it was just like a perfect symbolism for the White Sox in the ninth inning. Bases are loaded. You're about to lose the game. You're going to lose ground. And Luis Roberts strikes out, and it's a 6-3 final. The, the White Sox lose, and Look, they are six games back. So, it, yeah, the offense has been the most frustrating part Mark, of this team. you're not getting any offense out of catcher. You're not getting any out of second base. You're not getting any out of right field. Uh, it, it's a fact. Third base, you know, Berger has had a nice couple of games here and there, but with Mankata out, they're not, they haven't been getting anything out of third base. If you're going to start four or five players uh, who you weren't counting on to be a part of your offense during the season, there's going to be a lot of situations like we've been looking at where you're not going to score enough runs. Uh, no team in Major League Baseball is deep enough to lose three uh, starting players uh, like Anderson, uh, like uh, Jimenez, uh, like they did with Pollock for a while, uh, like like they've done uh, with with uh, numerous times with IL visits, you, you're you're just not going to be able to sustain. Uh, nobody is that deep. Maybe the Dodgers uh, is one team I can think of that might be deep enough. But in general, I'm telling you, Mark, uh, you can blame Larusa, you can blame the coaches, you can blame the poor roster construction. The fact is, is that they can't sit around and wait for something to happen. They can hope that Eloy comes back whole. They, they, they are sure Anderson will, but they can't sit and wait. They, they need to be as proactive as possible, bringing a left-handed batter to if they can along the way. Uh, matchups are the thing that uh, held them back from getting <clears throat> a pitcher that they wanted earlier in the year in Manaya. Oakland didn't like the matchup that the White Sox presented. They didn't get him. Uh, you know, for the White Sox to be world champions, they need uh, they need a couple moves and a little luck when it comes to uh, these injuries here. Yeah, no doubt. And we're going to get to see several people wanting to chime in on favorite baseball announcer. But let's take, since the White Sox talk has been really good, let's take one more White Sox call before we do those baseball announcer calls. This is Jack O in Hillside. What's up, Jack? Yeah, good morning. Uh, I've been making this comment since back in uh, spring training. I, I thought that the White Sox uh, didn't need right fielder, and Andrew Vaughn should be fine if they leave him out there all year. It's second base. Uh, Harrison hasn't worked out. Uh, I believe it's time to think of Lurie Garcia actually could be a good everyday second baseman when he's left alone there after Tim comes back and he'll hit sufficiently. We've seen him do it before. It leads me back to having a true number one catcher. Yasmani can't handle every day. You needed perhaps Wilson Contreras since he was available. That would free Grandal's left-handed bat up as a DH. It would make the team much better, and they could still get him, but now the price has gone considerably up. So that's one thing. The other thing on the announcers, hey, uh, Pat Hughes, I'm a Sox fan. Pat Hughes and Rod Coomer are an absolute joy just to sit and listen to them on the radio. Definitely. I don't know how Pat does it with all the dropping ads and everything else. Though. What a consummate professional. I love them. Uh, and yeah, we appreciate I'll leave it that. There. Uh, the yeah, thanks thing, much. Way, thanks. Oh, I was going to say. Oh, oh, we oh, lost him. <laughs> 
He just faded uh, away, Bruce. He just faded away. I, I couldn't agree more. You know, the, the fun broadcast that Ron and Pat bring every day along with Zach. And Zach is going to be a uh, superstar broadcaster in baseball or basketball somewhere soon. He's already doing tremendous work when uh, Pat's not there in the fifth inning every day. But uh, he is going to be a big star somewhere else pretty soon because we have great broadcasters in this town, and and they're filling the post uh, admirably for our Chicago fans. Zach Zaidman's pregame will begin at 11.45 here on The Score today as uh, Pat, Ron, and Zach will be calling a doubleheader. So they will uh, they will be working hard for you all day to a split doubleheader nonetheless. Speaking of baseball and I, let's, let's stay on that track now. And we threw the question out there a little while ago here on Inside the Clubhouse with Bruce Levine and Mark Rody filling in for Hall. Is who is your favorite baseball announcer of all time? Three one two six forty four sixty seven sixty seven. We begin with Bruce in Woodstock. Hello, Bruce. Gentlemen, it's a pleasure talking with you. Thank you. Okay, I don't want to uh, say confuse towns here. I'm from Woodstock, Illinois, and my favorite announcer came from the area of Woodstock, Georgia, and I'm referring to Ernie Harwell. Mm. I read a story a long time ago, and I'll make this brief. He had a very bad stuttering problem as a young man, and through the efforts of his dad paying his teacher, who happened to be a speech therapist, paid her during the Depression, what money he couldn't give her, he'd give her eggs, produce, vegetables, whatever. He was able to get rid of his problem, and uh, he went on from there as, you know, right to the Hall of Fame. I would listen to him on uh, WJR at night when they would turn the frequencies way up, you know. And uh, I'd listen to him, and the other was Pat Carey, and they were just a terrific duo. They painted a canvas. They were just... Just a terrific announcer. I love listening. Yeah, you're, one, one minor correction, Paul Carey. Oh, the Paul. Thank you very much. That's yeah. the yeah. Paul Carey. Thank you. Good and, job, uh, Bruce. He's just a terrific guy. In fact, I, he was always sentimental because Ernie Harwell grew up in the same area as my dad did. He came from that area of Georgia. And, uh, Luke, yeah, Luke Applin was born in North Carolina, but he grew up in that area somewhat, too. They relocated. So you got some baseball history down there. Oh, yeah, thank you really... so much for that. We, we appreciate it. Uh, we appreciate it. And Ernie uh, was a really good friend of mine and uh, just a, a fantastic career and uh, one of the nicest people you'd ever meet in the game, uh, Mark. Just a, a terrific individual. I called him baseball's best friend. He was that. He was just a, such a, uh, a gracious guy for talk shows like mine and uh, the, some of the shows here on The Score and uh, the other stations. He's just fantastic. So, uh, yeah, we miss Ernie Harwell. Robert in Florida. What's going on, man? You're on Inside the Clubhouse on hey, The Score. Hey, what's going on? You guys, you guys do great. But I'm going to tell you, this guy that you uh, Bruce has probably heard of, and he was great in football, basketball, uh, but great baseball broadcaster, uh, Larry Munson. Hmm. Uh, he did the Braves when they came to Atlanta, and he, and, and, and he was very good. Bruce, have you, uh, have you heard of Larry? No, I have a good friend named Lester Munson, uh, <laughs> who is a great sports uh, reporter uh, for ESPN for many that years. That counts. But yep, that Great counts. investigative reporter. But no, I, I don't remember Larry, but... I'll take your word for it. Yeah, Larry Munson. More like Thurman okay. Munson. Yeah, he did the uh, Georgia games, but he he just like I'm blind. You know, I'm a good friend of Craig Lynch's. Oh, like, yeah. the late Craig. Came up for his funeral. And, yeah, uh, well, thank you for doing that. Craig was a great friend of ours and a, a wonderful broadcaster and uh, one of my favorite people. We we miss him greatly. No doubt, man. Love Craig Lynch. When I was doing pre and post for the Cubs, he'd always come into the booth, and he knew that I would do the trivia with Pat and Ron sometimes, and he'd always give him, slip me two or three things that I could throw out there. So, amen. Rest in peace, uh, Craig Lynch, and thank you, Robert, for the call. Let's go to Bill in Arlington Heights. Hey, Bill, you're on the score. Hi. Um, I think to evaluate this interesting question you've thrown out, you have to have a criteria, and I've got this in the some categories for the most knowledgeable longevity and polished Vin Scully of the Dodgers 
for a fan favorite, not when he was selling tickets for the White Sox or selling beer for the Cubs, but while he was doing the Cardinals for 25 years, Harry Carey. He was a terrific baseball announcer when he was with the Cardinals. He came to Chicago. He was more of a showman. Uh, for a professional announcer, the guy who followed Harry Carey in St. Louis, Jack Buck, and now John Rooney. John Rooney wins a World Series with the White Sox in 2005. He goes to the Cardinals in 2006 and wins a World Series. <laughs> for analyst, Steve Stone. And also Pat Hughes for a professional announcer. Good yeah, stuff, well, man. Thank you for your list. Yeah, we appreciate it very much. Yeah, you, yeah. you laid that out really nicely. I, I appreciated that. Brewster, I do believe we need to take our, our final break. This is Yeah, bonus I haven't heard time. from you yet. We, we need to hear from oh, you okay. and your favorites. All right. I will. Okay. I will tell you who my favorite baseball announcers are next, my favorites of all time. And, and there are, there's time if you'd like to sneak in a call here on Inside the Clubhouse and give us your favorite baseball broadcaster. We're down with that. Plus, if you want to talk about the Cubs or White Sox, we've got bonus time for you. 312-644-6767. It's Inside the Clubhouse on Chicago Sports Radio 670, The Score. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? We make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact. Choose from premium blinds, shades, and shutters. We even have options for your patio, too. Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Our design experts can help you find the perfect window treatments on your schedule. We'll even send free samples directly to you. Plus, we can handle the measuring and installation for you. Unlimited window treatments installed for just one low cost. And with Blinds.com, you'll always get transparent pricing. No hidden fees. Our free shipping and 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step. And into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply. Oh, oh, oh. Protect your vehicle's engine with a full synthetic oil change and save with Mobile One at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Purchase five quarts of Mobile One full synthetic motor oil and receive a $10 O'Reilly gift card after rebate. See store for details. With your Mobile One purchase, you'll also receive two times points during Old Rewards Bonus Points Month at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. 